sorted. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Massive Attack no, Podcast. 55? Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's a bloody long time, isn't it? Yeah. Feels like forever. Anyway, I'm Joe. With me as always is Mitch. Hello. And time for another episode. Yeah. Mm. On time this month. Is it? Well, if oh. I edit it quick enough. I don't know when it's expected. <laughs> Normally <laughs> around the miracle. 15th of the month really? and then around the 1st of the month for the minis. Like payday. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Sweetness. It is. righty. Should we jump in? Sure, let's go. Have you been gaming? A little bit. Not a lot. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you'll find out I haven't been watching too much TV, haven't seen any movies. Well, because and- I think the problem is it's only been like three weeks between recording, so that's probably why it seems mm-hmm. like we haven't so, done anything. And I've got a baby that's due like any minute now. Yes. So, getting rooms ready and things like that. But yes, I, I, I think last time we talked about Red Dead Redemption. Yes. And I haven't got any further. Okay. And I did start Mars Warlogs, which was a downloadable... Sounds like a turd euphemism. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it was a downloadable game that was on special on Xbox Live a while ago. And I picked it up because it was like $3. It's like, why not? And... It's not too bad. It's a sort of RPG and you get missions. So you're sort of, you're on this Mars colony. Sort of, it doesn't seem, it's a little like a prison, but you've got a bit of freedom to walk around. There's guards, but you've got a lot of freedom. So I'm not sure exactly because there's a lot of talking and I don't pay attention. I sort of, <laughs> so there's a lot of swearing in it. They have a lot of conversations. So you've got to like give a certain answer and ask questions. Then it's like, go this mission, go here and grab this thing. So I'm still only an hour or so in to the early days. So I'm still sort of learning the maps and getting around but it's a very basic at the moment i think there's a gun somewhere but at the moment i'm just hitting people with like a wrench but um okay so it's a little bit like the red faction games on mars where you're walking around with a a hammer yeah so there's definitely it's it's it's, it's about factions so it's very similar to that so i'm kind of intrigued so i'm sticking with it but yeah it's still very much early days and mechanics wise it's just not as polished as other games that's a shame i'd be shooting but it was cheap wasn't it It was only a couple of bucks yeah yeah can't go wrong for three bucks. Well, I suppose you could. I have, yeah. <laughs> anyway. I paid more for Teen Titans or <laughs> Young Justice. Oh, that was a dog. Mm. Mm. The old comic tie-in game. Yeah, well, I've been burned on those. What about you? You gaming? I've been doing a little bit of Xbox gaming and probably a lot of mobile gaming, but we'll jump into Xbox first. Yep. Now, I'm not sure when we recorded last time whether I'd finished Far Cry 3, but I have now finished Far Cry 3 and I've gone straight into Far Cry 4. Uh-huh. And it was interesting because you, you lent it to me and you were like, oh, it's very much of the same as Far Cry 3. That's how I remember it. But it, gameplay it is. But one thing I noticed as soon as I put it in, the graphics are so much better. Yeah. So there's only been, I think, a few years between, probably two, three years at the most between the two games. But graphically, Far Cry 4, even on the 360, just looks awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's the mechanics of the gameplay is almost identical there's a few little things like you don't need to make your healing syringes it automatically does that for you when you collect enough ingredients and the driving is more the borderlands style of using the, the sticks rather than the triggers i do like the auto drive feature because you I, suck at driving well exactly yeah so it's good for me i can just get in the car and set my gps and press a button and yeah it does it for me and i can shoot things on the way so that's good i'm only i think i I was playing a little bit last night and i think i'm five hours in and it told me i was seven percent of something 
but I haven't really I haven't really done enough missions yet I've mainly just been doing a bit of exploring and locked a couple of towers and liberated I think three villages so far yep but yeah I can see that I'm going to spend a lot of time and I really like the little gyrocopters when I can fly them I'm kind of jealous that you're playing that where I'm like I want to play it again you could I want another game like it yeah, you should try um, the Tomb Raider games. I might. Yeah. I did the first one. That was yeah. really good. Yeah, but yes, I highly recommend those because they are pretty much third-person version of um, Far Cry. But yep. yes, other than that, I played probably about 10 minutes of Spelunky this afternoon. Oh, I downloaded that the other day. Yeah, because that was the freebie for Games for Gold. Yep. It's an interesting sort of platformer game. So far, I've only played a tutorial level, but it kind of feels like fun. So yeah, Spelunky definitely feels like something my nine-year-old might get into because he was watching me play it and he was looked like he was interested so maybe i'll give him a go of it but other than that speaking of the children my wife and i decided that we would jump on the bandwagon and we would load pokemon go on our phones both of us have now got newer phones i've now got a samsung galaxy 6 and she's got an iphone 5 or something which is a bit newer than we did have so we've now got decent battery life Mm -hmm. and a bigger screen so we thought yeah let's get on this pokemon bandwagon And the first session we went out with it, the kids were kind of, oh, what's this Pokemon stuff? It's not that much fun. To keep it session? Or to go full shunting? No, we went for probably an hour walk around our local park and they caught a couple of Pokemons and they were all like, yeah, this is, this is all right. But my wife and I were like, yeah, this is fun. We're out walking and, you know, Mm. getting out in the sunshine. But then just this past weekend, we went to Edwards Park Lake. If you're familiar with the Northern suburbs of Melbourne. I'm familiar with the Girls Out (laughs) West, um, Horn clip with the, the, the couple that take the train, get off Reservoir Station, then go, go in the, the old steam train thing at Edwards Lake. I knew you were going to mention that. I I thought about mentioning it myself, but I thought, no, Mitch will beat me to it. (laughs) So yes, yeah. Edwards Park Lake, not just for shitty amateur porn anymore. <laughs> it was a, a hive of activity for Pokemon. There was, I think, three or four Pokestops in a very confined area, and they seemed to reset really quickly. So we were just kind of walking around in a circle and catching a lot of balls and getting Pokemons. And I think someone's dropped lures down there because there was just pink stuff coming out of the map and just tons of Pokemon. And the kids had a ball. We really liked it. We walked around Edwards Park for about an hour, and it was fun. Yeah, my son's a little bit too young to fully appreciate that. But it's funny because there's a new burger joint down the road from us at the at the, the shopping centre and I was meaning to try it. So I went down there last Sunday and it was meant to shut at 8 o'clock. I got there about quarter past 7. The owners at the front talked to some dude and go, sorry dude, we're, we're out of meat. They ran out of food. And I'm like, what the fuck? And at the front, there is a poker stop at the front of this place. And I think they throw lures out as well. So it's a very popular place. Like the car park is full, but there's also cars that pull up on the other side of the road which isn't a car park but people just sit there and, and just looking at all these cars pulled up on the side but looking into their phones so yeah, it's, it's crazy and that, that was the thing when we were at Edwards Park the other day it's like there was people like us that were middle-aged type people with kids that were playing there was teenagers playing there was older people it was just a strange mix of people and it's a very social game like i'm sure every other podcast in the world has talked about pokemon so why don't we talk about it but it seemed like there was just people talking to each other like as soon as you notice someone else is playing pokemon it's sort of that oh playing pokemon and yeah they're like well what are you catching and all that sort of stuff and it's very social well i think there's a bit of a game changer for gaming in a way like i think going forward people are going to tap into things like this now it's very smart like it's not like it's new like this is built on the ingress engine which was an old android game yeah well it's based on google maps but ingress was a game where it was portals yeah so instead of pokestops you had portals and you had to occupy that time you had to stand in it and occupy it and then it became yours for whatever team you were on. Yep. And then someone else would come and stand in it. So there was no gaming in as far as the fighting Pokemon sort of element. So it's that 
that um, architecture that they're built on top of, but using the Pokemon brand as genius because it's such a recognised and loved and established 20-year-old franchise yeah. that people are buying into. Would it have worked with any other franchise? Probably not. It's probably the perfect franchise to use. Yeah, I don't think it would have. And it's weird because I've, I've never really played Pokemon. I've, I've seen done. probably five minutes of the TV show. Mm-hmm. And Had an epileptic fit? No. 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 I've never seen the porn parody either, so we'll throw that to you. Struck one. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I knew nothing about it. And my son had a friend over for a sleepover on the weekend, and his parents are like, oh, we don't have Pokemon Go on our phone, but we mentioned that we were going to go out to the park, and would it be okay if we took him with us? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. And then when we were there, he knew the names of all the Pokemon. So he was like, you know, you've got this one and this one and this one. And I was like, how do you know the names if you've never played the game? And he's like, well, I've, you know, I've seen the TV, I've read the books. He's got collector's cards and stuff. So I'm pretty ignorant to the idea of what Pokemons are. I think I've probably heard of Jigglypuffs and Snorlax and that's about it. But he knew like names of these things before we'd even mentioned that we caught them. But it's such a big thing. And I can see that people would go crazy with it. Like admittedly, there's probably times where early on where I didn't have that many balls. Um, we were making jokes about the fact that I had no balls and I couldn't catch Pokemons. But once you've been playing it for a while and you go to a place that's probably a bit more popular than where I am because I'm a bit of a wasteland where I am and there's two stops in the park that I live next door and that's about it. But you go to, as I said, Edwards Park Lake, there's stops all over the place and they're resetting really quickly. So you're just collecting balls, collecting balls. And now that I've got the hang of how to catch them, I'm catching a lot of the Pokemons using you know, only one or two balls. I'm not throwing my balls away wildly. <laughs> Just like those people in that video at Edwards Park Lake. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's 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 so addictive. But I am looking at it thinking crazy people could spend a lot of money on this game because there is stuff you can buy in the shop. You can buy the lures. You can buy better balls and stuff, I think. But I, I don't see why you would. If you are that way inclined, you can just you know, go for a walk hatch your eggs, do that sort of stuff. And it's getting people out and about, which is really good. Yes. I don't know the long-term appeal for me. Like, I can see that I'm pretty full-on into it at the moment. When I go for my walk on my lunch break at work, I sort of walk past a couple of stops, so I'll always get my phone out when I'm on the way to buy my lunch and that sort of stuff. But I think once I've probably got to the stage where I've collected a lot, the novelty might wear off, and I think I will probably be going back to Candy Crush, maybe. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, it's it's a good additive. I mean, I've... I've caught two Pokemon. One, when you first turn it on, you get one. Yeah. Pretty much. And then I was at Danny's Burgers. There's a very burger-themed thing going on with me. But I was at Danny's Burgers after the movies one night, and I just go, oh, yeah, I'll just see if there's any here. And there yeah. was one there, and I caught it. And that, that's as far as I've gone. But I could, like I said, if my son was a little bit older, it would be a fun thing to do with him. Or if I was single and had more free time, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. going out for a walk and doing it that way. I, I do park run on a Saturday morning, so I'm running. I'm not walking but there are a bunch of kids that you come across you probably put it in your around. pocket and hatch some eggs i have no idea what you're talking about oh, okay. i don't know that sort yeah. of things so i've caught two pokemon and that's it I, I i can see the appeal i just don't i'm not making the time to do it that's the difference but i kind of like the idea i, I do uh, like the idea bits of it make me laugh though because i work in a fairly affluent suburb and i live in a kind of shitty suburb but where i work there's all kind of high class pokemons but where i am at home i keep getting rats and pigeons and that's about it i don't know if they're trying to tell me something but yeah but it's it's fun enough and as i said it's getting me off the couch it's getting me you know out like i got home from work last night and my five-year-old's like can we go for a quick walk before dinner and see if we can catch some pokemon so we just did a little lap around the block and had a look which was cool kind of cool yeah so it's good i'm enjoying it excellent well, speaking of sitting on the couch, yeah. have you been sitting down watching anything? 
I have continued what I was watching last episode. And that is, I have seen a further three episodes of The Night Of. And it's fantastic, but it's slow. Mm-hmm. And it's grey. Like, I've, I've said a lot of movies and games before have been brown. This is grey. It's just, it's like, not hell. <laughs> Or purgatory or something. It's just, yeah, it's, it's very New York, but it's just this n- not a nice New York. And I'm, I'm not talking nasty, seedy underbelly. It's just this not a nice part of New York. Everything about it is just grey okay. and un- unpleasant in a way. But not like, you know, someone's going to murder you on the corner. It's just that things take for... Yeah, no... I don't know how to describe it. I'm, I'm captivated, but I'm intrigued. It's very good. Very good. Okay. Tantra is fantastic. And there's a great element to it where he's getting around. He's wearing a, like a cheap suit. He's, a, he's sort of an ambulance chasing lawyer. But you don't know how good he is yet because he's still, still establishing everything. So I don't know how many episodes this is, but it's like not a lot's happened so far. But, okay. But, it's great. but he wears sandals and he makes a comment because he's got psoriasis terrible psoriasis it's just his character trait and he actually in the last episode he was at a psoriasis support group so there are all these guys sitting in a church hall you know guys have got gloves on some guys have got terrible like you know psoriasis of the face and all this and they're all just comparing stories about their group and one guy saying oh, I'm trying to get back in the dating game and all this sort of stuff and it's just like whoa this is more than just a little bit they've taken it further it's just oh yeah he wears sandals because of psoriasis but it's becoming an element of the show yeah and there's a bit where it's really like it's a miserable show and he's walking past and he walks past a shoe shop and he's longing living at these lovely leather shoes and it's like it's pretty full on it's like something he can't wear it's like wow this is getting deeper in a weird way it's sort of like yeah so yeah I'm still intrigued still good like I said not a lot's happening but it's it's moving at a glacial pace but it's good and I finished Stranger Things which I probably don't have to say anything because every other podcast has talked about Stranger Things and Pokemon Go but all I can say is it's good it's well, good th- that is on my list of things to watch after I finish what I'm currently watching so. yeah so all I can say it's a love letter to everything 80s it's Goonies it's E.T. it's Stephen King it's Steven Spielberg it's it's good I'll wait till you see it and then we maybe discuss it yeah in depth so. well by then I think a lot of people have probably seen all of it so we won't be too spoilery to mm. uh, ruin but, it yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say it's the best thing on television it's just it's good hmm. Just it's just really Good. And I didn't realise, because you didn't mention it last month, that Winona Wright is in it. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Still not mentioning it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, other than a couple of things that we watched together... Taylor West Brockett are in it. No. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish? No. When's it set? 83? Yeah. Probably too early for Six, Hootie six and the Blowfish. In it. Yeah. Could be. Anyway. So... Going back even earlier than that, I mentioned last month that I'd been watching Vinyl, the 1970s record show from New York. Yep. I have now finished that. And? Really good, other than the fact that we got to the last episode and you could tell that they... all a dream. Well, no. No. You could tell that they thought they were going to get picked up for another season. Yeah. Because they set up a bunch of stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And then it just ended. And then Uh when you look at the wiki, it's like originally it was signed for another season and then they pulled the plug after about two weeks because it wasn't writing as well as they thought it was. But progressing on from where I was last month... The Ray Romano character turns out to be probably the pivotal role of the of the season, and he has some great lines. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we've got Baz Luhrmann's show starting soon. Within the next, by the time this is up, I think his show will, will have started. A Netflix show set around the same era, set around the birth of hip hop in New York. Okay, there was a couple of teasers of hip hop. They at one stage 
the record producer's driving around the Bronx and he goes past a, a block party and there's a guy spinning two records and stuff, but yep. they don't really go too far into it. And there's a like a DJ scene where they're in a nightclub playing music, but not quite hip hop. Yep. But yeah, but it'll be interesting to see that because that, again, in our wheelhouse. But other than vinyl, I've been watching quite a bit of wrestling again because wrestling has just got good again at the moment. It's got interesting. I don't know if it's... Uh, you can say it's well, good. I don't know. Well, they WWE, who is the biggest wrestling company and the one that most people would know, yep. have done a a brand split or a draft, as they called it, yep. where they have decided to put their secondary show SmackDown on live. So they've split their roster. So they've now got a, a mix of you know headliners on both of the live shows on Raw on a Monday night in the states. Yeah, so and previously Tuesday. it was Monday night was Raw and Thursday night was SmackDown. Yep, and. Raw was live, a three-hour live show with the roster with the roster of wrestlers. Yep. And SmackDown was the same roster of wrestlers, but it was recorded earlier and pre-taped. Yeah, pre-taped. So now they've gone, split the show, yep. put in two general managers of each show, which is all work and not real. But, yep. but And they did a literal split where it's like they did a roster saying, ah, oh, I pick this guy, I pick that guy. So those wrestlers aren't going to turn up on each other's shows unless Storyline deems so. Yeah. So we're a few weeks in now. Raw is still definitely the flagship show where a lot of the big names have stayed, I guess, but they've had the world champion go across to SmackDown. Yep. It still feels like the second cousin SmackDown, even though it's now live and they're making a bit more of a big deal about it. It still looks cheaper for some Yeah, I think production value, the fact that they're in smaller venues. But given time, they have got a couple of big names, like John Cena has gone to SmackDown. Oh, they got the talent there. It's just they've got to book it right, I think. So I I don't know, but it's been exciting. (coughs) It's been exciting. It's been something to draw the fans back in, and I think it's paying off for them. I think they're getting pretty good ratings. Well, I'm keen. Yeah. Like, I was never watching SmackDown. I watch Raw with you, and we'd watch it with the fast-forward button. We still watch it with the fast-forward button going most of the time. Yep. But it's interesting to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And along with that, we've had a few other wrestling-related things going on. We've had the season wrap-up of Ultimate of Lucha Underground with Ultima Lucha Dos, which is their uh, over-three-weeks, sort of three-hour show, where they've finished up a bunch of storylines, and they've actually been picked up for another season, and I think they're filming now to go on air in September. Okay. So, yeah, it's good that they've been picked up again. There's some real good talent in that, and, yeah, a lot of interesting style story matches and storylines, so that's pretty good. Other than wrestling, I've been watching an older show because I've done that thing again where I was sort of watching something on my own, and then my wife was... Actually, I was watching wrestling on my iPad, and my wife was watching something on TV, and I got distracted and ended up watching what she was watching, and that's Doc Martin. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know a lot about Doc Martin. It's got Martin Clunes in it, doesn't it? But Doc Martin is based around, yes, Martin Clunes playing a doctor in a rural town in Cornwall. After you were born in Wales, didn't you move to Cornwall? No, I was born in Truro in Cornwall. Uh And the place where they are filming Doc Martin is in a town that's about 20 minutes outside of Truro in a fictional town called Colwyn. That's a Scooby-Doo's. Truro? (laughs) Yes. But interestingly that... This little town has like a very small, well, it's a village really, but it has a very small population, but there's always something going on. It's like they're the most unluckiest people in the world. Like the Midsummer Murders? Yeah. You I would not if, move to Midsummer, would I you? don't know if you've ever watched Fireman Sam with your little boy. I can't stand Fireman Sam. What's ev- that, everything, everything bad happens in Pondy Norman? Pondy. 
Yep. Oh, then Norman. Just kill him. Save everyone. Well, this is like a grown-up version of Pondy Pandy where everything bad happens to someone each week. But, yeah, not only is it got... Speaking of that, rest in peace. It's Postman, yeah, Postman Pat. Pat died. Mm. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Maybe mm. I should chuck the Postman Pat song on the end as a tribute. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's set in this little Cornish village, but they drink... They just do nothing but eat passes? No, they drink like fishes. There, there was one episode where, like, one of the school teachers was an alcoholic and they were making a big deal about it. But then the more you watch the show, you realise that most of the scenes are set in the local pub or in the restaurant and everyone's sitting around just drinking in the yeah, middle of the social day. social drinking, and- that's different. Oh, of course If you is. drink at home on your own and you're an alcoholic, if you drink the same amount of drinks with other people, that's fine. You're just it's a fine. social drinker. Yeah. But no, Martin himself... They might Martin- be keeping a session. You don't know. They might be. You yeah. don't know. But yeah, Martin Clunes himself was a surgeon in London and has a phobia of blood and can't be a surgeon anymore. So he returns to this town in Cornwall where he used to have his summer holidays when he was a kid. And he's gone back to being the local GP. And he looks he looks miserable. And everything miserable. I've seen for it, he just looks miserable. And he is slightly Asperger's and has a very bad bedside manner for a doctor and will be very blunt with people. But I think that adds to the humour of the show. But yeah, I'm hooked. We are now, I think we are now three or four seasons in. So Cornwall's a summer destination? Well, Cornwall in England is where people go to surf. Oh, it's on the coast. Well, it's, the, point, it's the pointy bit down the bottom. So if you imagine England being like a person, the pointy toe bit is Cornwall. Okay. I thought it was Midlands for some reason. No, it's no. the it's the beach. Where's Yorkshire? Yorkshire's Midlands. No, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But no, Cornwall's famous for being surfing so and the country passing, hicks. not the pudding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. But no, I, it's funny. It, I enjoy it. It's got a bit of drama to it. It's got that typical English humour. His receptionist is a ditzy, sort of can't-do-anything-right sort of person, and she's played by... So it's a straighter version of Vicar Dibley? Yeah, it's a, a drama with comedy rather than a comedy drama. But yeah, his receptionist is played by the girl that was in the IT crowd. Oh, yeah. And she's pretty much playing the same sort of role, only a bit more ditzier. Okay. But no, as I said, it's hooked me. My wife was watching it and I sort of caught a glance of it. And then I found after I finished watching what I was watching, I was hooked to what she was watching. And now, as I said, four seasons in and there's a couple more seasons to go. It's pretty old, but it's out there. And it's also named after your favourite shoe. Exactly. Brogue. No. <laughs> no, I, I recommend it. Croc Martins. Croc Martins, yes. They're not a real thing. Hopefully. Thank God. Yeah. Other than that, we did watch a couple of things together. And we have been watching the first episode of Transformers Combiner Wars. Uh-huh. Oh, this one. We got the second one to watch. We do. Tonight. Wait, let's finish recording this and watch it. No, we'll keep going. I didn't know a lot about it, so I'll throw to you because I think you'd read some nope. of the comics, no? No, no, nothing. Not on the Combiner Wars, no. Ah. Fresh on my other podcast, he hated the comics. He goes, it made me nearly drop the comics. That's how bad the storyline was, so I don't know if it's based on the same thing. It's made or produced by Machinima, which is a YouTube channel, I yep. think. Or it's, it's a streaming network, I suppose you'd call it, because you can get the yeah. cinema app on the Xbox. So I assume it's, there's plenty of ways to watch it. And, well, the first episode we watched was a five-minute episode, establishing little five minutes of... Combiners are when you get multiple Transformers. If you remember Devastator from the original series where you got five Transformers that make up one big robot. They're combiners. So it's all about these... Com- and there's two combiners battling it out at the start and these two sort of like police jet thingies sort of enforcing some sort of rule and one combiner beats the other combiner and then the other the two like police robots sort of go we're gonna do you can't do this that's not what we're here for blah 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 and ends up taking them both out 
and then was there Starscream involved? I can't remember. Starscream came in right at the very right end. Right at the very end. So yeah. it, it's very much establishing. I don't know how many episodes are out of this. I don't know if they're all five minutes long. I do like the animation style. It looks like the classic G1 Transformers. Yeah. It's 3D, but it's got the cell shading. Is it, did I say that right? I think you did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Very much, I'm intrigued, but it, it's interesting paced. It's uh, Some of the um, animation style was kind of cool. Like yeah. The fight choreography was kind of cool. So. Yeah, graphically, it's really good. What I did find, though, is it, even though it was the first episode, I kind of felt like we jumped in halfway through a season and or something. And the idea of sort of like intrigue, get you in with yeah. this big fight scene and we'll explain it all later because you really have no idea what's going on. No. I, I'm hoping they'll explain it. I hope that there's not other stuff you're just meant to know because well, I'm, I'm lost. There was a few teaser episodes that came before this Which first Which we one. haven't watched. So, yeah, so I don't there's know. a bunch of characters where they were a little short, one minute or 30 yeah. second, sort of certain, all Pacific characters. So it could be that. So that might help because it yeah. meant nothing to me. None of the characters in it meant nothing until Starscream turned up. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, it felt like you'd just sort of flick channels or something and you'd come in halfway through an episode that's halfway through a season. But I'm quite happy to keep going. I, yeah, I, and they're short enough, so it yeah. doesn't matter. And as I said, it's, it's on YouTube on the Machinima channel on YouTube, so it's easily accessible. So Yep. Recommended. Something else that we watched on YouTube, and that was the first couple of episodes of Harmon Quest, which is the Dan Harmon animated not-quite D&D yeah, it's funny because well, we, we, we've mentioned it plenty of times in the episode. We listen to a podcast called Harmon Town, which is just a drunken Dan Harmon on stage talking at people with Jeff B. Davis. And one day, because Dan's just a massive nerd, yeah. And I don't know how many episodes in within the first twenty. Probably it was, Probably, early. It was, early, it was early on. He talked about playing Dungeons and Dragons. And Jeff, being an improviser, he goes, you, you would have loved it. Or did you play it? They were sort of talking about it. He just threw it out. He goes, we should do Dungeons and Dragons. It'd be great. Is there any Dungeon Masters out in the audience? And you couldn't have written it better. I think we've, we've talked about Spencer Crittenden. Yeah, I, I think when Harman we, yeah, when we reviewed the, the, the Harman Town doco, we mentioned... Yeah, so he, he's got this guy out of the audience to dungeon master them and they went on a campaign just doing improv and it's great and the guy they got out of the audience is this 20 something year old ex well he, at the time he was working for the Apple store and they, he did D&D he'd come yep. in and they'd run little short D&D campaigns at the end of each episode and they were great like because he played them seriously he takes them very very seriously yeah, like he doesn't fuck around. He doesn't go for gags. These are the rules, and yep. we're going to adhere to them. You say what you want, and I will. Yeah, and whereas Dan around. and Jeff and the guests kind of go all over the place and definitely play it for laughs. And uh, Spencer's just could be really done badly if you because yep. I mean I still listen to Harmontown. I still love it, but unfortunately he's got the cult following now, and he's got regular listeners who go to shows, and he is not shy in bringing people up no. from the audience. And the problem is the people who want to get up are the people you don't want to listen to. Yep. They're too in-house now. They're too confident. They're too shilly. It's just like so wrong. So if he got the wrong person for to be DM, it would have been terrible. Yeah. But they did, he, he paid her with Spencer. So they've been doing this for a while. And then they sort of came up with an idea. And I don't know if it's... There's so much streaming content TV shows out there, like stations or networks that stream and things like that. Yeah. That people are starved for content, I guess. So whether he came up with the idea, let's make this happen or whatever, but they've talked about it for a while and it was a show called Harmon Quest, which is pretty much their D&D, which they can't mention the name D&D, role-playing game. And they've been talking about it for ages and the reason it's taken so long between filming and now is they're live in front of an audience, they're up on a table on a stage and they're playing it, but every time they go into game mode, they have this 
fairly crude, but it's animation yep. of what they're playing. So it's sort of in-game animation of what they're doing. And every now and then they might come out of the game itself and they'll just talk and crack jokes amongst themselves. They'll cut back to the live-action stuff. Yeah, so, so when they're talking in character in the game, that's all animated. Yeah. When they're kind of just discussing non-game stuff, you see them sitting at a table covered yeah. in snacks. And, and it's, yeah. it's, it's as good as you expect it to be. Like, it's not scripted. I do like good improv when it's good. Yeah, but bad improv can be bad. And listening to Harmon Town, there are some bad episodes of when they do the role playing, depending on who's doing it and what mood they're in and all this sort of stuff. Now, with this show, a good improv show is something like Whose Lines It Anyway? Yeah. Now that show lends itself to be edited, so there are lots of little games. Yeah, and, they'll and it's record- very much short form improv yeah. as well. So they'll they'll record an hour and a half worth of stuff to pull out the best twenty two minutes. Yeah, and it becomes a really tight twenty two. Unfortunately for this show, and I'm not saying it's a bad show, is you've got one campaign. I don't think they're going back and retaking. It's pretty much stream of consciousness. We're recording a full 22 minutes here. Yeah. And this is what happens. So if it's shit, it's shit, you know. Yeah. And they normally have Jeff and Dan plus Dan's ex-wife, Erin McGathy, and an extra guest. In yep. the first first episode, they had Paul F. Tompkins, mm-hmm. and he was quite good. And then yeah, in the second episode... Well, he was better than who they had in the second episode. Oh, the second episode terrible. they had... What was her name? Chelsea Peretti? Uh, not, not Ellen Page. No. She was a, a comedian. But she wasn't very good. And she didn't understand. And this is where, unfortunately, the wrong guest can ruin it. She didn't, she didn't understand. She didn't know what it was. Yeah. And she didn't really play into it. No. And I think Jeff got to the stage where he was just a bit pissed off with the fact that she wasn't very good. And he went on like a massive tangent about his character jumping in holes and farting and stuff, which was probably the highlight of the episode. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a beauty. The, the show works well because Spencer's a character. Dan's a good rant. Jeff can go anywhere he wants with it. So you can compensate for a bad guest, but unfortunately a bad guest will still bring it down. Yeah. You, know, you get the right person. And we've seen it happen on the podcast itself where you get Greg Proops or something like that. Yeah. Just go, let him go. You know, you don't have to save them with anything. Yeah, we're two episodes in so far and it's it's worth it. It's like we're talking 22 minutes or something. Exactly. It's not a problem and it's entertaining enough. We know the characters. Could you recommend to someone who doesn't know Dan? I don't know. No, I don't because think Because so. he's such a strong personality. And when he sort of goes off in his rants or tangents outside of it, it's like, yeah, I love it because I know him. Or I feel like I know him. Yeah. But for the, him, you know, for a non-Dan fan, it's sort of like, who's this drunken dude? Yeah, yeah uh, obnoxious drunken dude. I think he would be too much if you didn't know the podcast or at least a bit of Dan history. So, I mean, I implore the listeners to check it out and let us know what you think. If you're not listening to Harmontown or don't know Dan, go and watch the one episode and just think, does it work for you? Because I, I can't judge. Hmm. I'm too in-house, I guess, on that one. But yeah, I enjoyed it. All righty. Anything else for television? No. All right. Have not you been to the remember. movies? Yes, I have. Okay. You've actually been to the cinema, I think. Whereas I, have. I haven't been to the cinema, so we might as well start with you. All right. I saw... Damn it. One Star Trek Beyond. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. And was it any good? Yes. Yes, it was. Directed by Massive Attack's own Dustin Lim, director of Fast and Furious 5. And was it Fast and Furious in space? It was closer than any other... Movie, there were bits, yes, it was. That's good to know. No, it, it's great. If you're a Star Trek fan, it feels very right. It feels very Star Trek, like like original crew kind of thing. Yeah. It's got that, what they call, they're calling this the Kelvin universe. I don't know where they get that from, but it's the rebooted Chris Pine as Kirk universe version. Yeah. Those guys have got it down. Like, they feel like a, a crew. I don't know how much of a Star Trek fan you are, but you watch, like, Star Trek 6 
and stuff like that. They feel like the, and the actors have known each other for yeah, exactly. thirty years by this point or twenty years. I was and they feel like it. Never a huge original series fan. I've seen all of the movies and I've seen Wrath of Khan yeah. as a kid so many times. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how many times I've seen yeah. it. I saw a little bit of Next Gen because my housemate at the time was a big Next Gen fan and he would watch it and occasionally I would watch it with him. And I was always a big fan of the episodes that Q was in. Yep. But yeah, other than that, I haven't seen a lot of any of the other new stuff. And I think I saw the first of the Star Trek reboot movies, Yep. but I haven't seen Don't bother with any the of the other ones. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so the first reboot movie was quite good. I, I really enjoyed it with the new crew or the new versions of the original crew. I really enjoyed it. Recommend it. It's great. It's it's a more upbeat, energised, modern version of that. Yeah. Then there was Star Trek Into Darkness, which was the second one, which JJ trying to be JJ. Okay. When he does it, do he swerves and he's cl- being clever and this and that, saying, oh, it's not Khan. No, no, no. Benedict Gumbach is another character at all. He's not Khan. We're not doing Wrath of Khan again. It was fucking Wrath of Khan. He was Khan. <laughs> it's like, why... Why just say it's Khan and don't you know they didn't have to swerve anyone in the movie by calling it Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan where they were up against Khan there was you know we knew it yeah it's like why try and remake two again I mean he got Force Awakens right even though he pretty much copied the first movie again so yes he's doing exactly the same thing but that's what people wanted where you know Star Trek's so episodic it's not like it's Star Wars where it's six movies before that point this is 10-12 movies plus so many episodes of the series over so many different series over you know it's it's big it's broad tell another story don't why go back and make Khan Khan's a perfect movie almost it's it's pretty fucking phenomenal the first Wrath of Khan yep. so yeah you could easily so you've seen the first one go straight to the third one you okay. do not need to see Into Darkness it, it's pretty much a waste and I'm glad JJ moved on and this one's good if you want to nitpick through it yeah you can nitpick there's, there's things about science does that science work does this work does that work doesn't matter is it is it fun yes is Beastie Boys used well yes I would have done it differently but and I'm going really and then there's a bit and it's like ah I see what you did there very very good it was a punch the air kind of moment but anyway um, I recommend it okay maybe I should go and see that at the cinema before it uh, finishes I I love going to movies for these sort of things and yeah I'd recommend if you could but if you don't get the chance it'll still be fun at home okay it's like next gen movies didn't work no. On the cinema. Because you're so used to watching them on telly. Yeah. Because I grew up with the movies of Star Trek. So, yes, I knew they were a TV show, but the movies were movies. But Star Trek just looked wrong. The next-gen movies just looked wrong on the big screen. Yeah. I think I saw Nemesis at the drive-in. And, mm-hmm. again, it didn't work on a big screen. Which is a shame. Yeah. What about you? That's it. Oh, no. I saw one more movie. Yeah. It was The Killing Joke, which is the Batman, the animated feature of the Warner Brothers animated movie which is the animated adaptation of the classic Alan Moore Brian Boland comic from 1986 yep. which is pretty iconic in a way that it's the Joker sort of giving an origin for the first time and also the Joker shooting Barbara Gordon who was Batgirl at the time in the spine causing her to be a paraplegic which was used as canon in the universe and she became Oracle, the all-seeing, computer-based, all-seeing eye of the DC universe for the DC superheroes. Mm. It's iconic because of the artwork and the story and everything about this thing. And yep. it's one of those loved... Like, if you get to list like Watch Mojo or go to a website with a top 10 Batman stories or whatever, pretty much, if not number one, this would be top three. Not just Batman. I think if you see lists of... Top yeah, 10 comics. best graphic novels yeah, or true, whatever, true, it's true. normally on the list. Well, yeah, so if it's definitely Batman, I mean, 
the only others would be Dark Knight Returns, Batman Year One, and Arkham Asylum. Yeah, like, they're the four, and they all pretty much came out within four years of each other. Oh, yeah. yeah, but anyway, and they've done Dark Knight Returns as an animated film, which yep. is fantastic, and that translates really well to cinema anyway. Like the way it's drawn, it's quite cinematic. Batman Year One, they've also done as an animated film. And Arkham Asylum, I doubt they will, because they definitely can't get the style, because it's painted, okay. painted crazy style of artwork. So it will never be able to be animated in a similar style to the comic. Whereas Brian Boland's very... They've done their best to try and emulate his art style. They can't. Like, it, it's too crisp and realistic that you can't turn an animator. It would take forever. <laughs> but they've done well to get the vibe of it. And it is a great Batman comic. You know it. Yep. You've read it. Years long, ago. yeah. I've, I probably read it not long after it came out, and I don't think I've gone back and read okay. it again. Yeah, it's only short read. It's like 48 pages. Yep. So it's definitely worth a read if you want. If you haven't read it and you don't know, would you like this story? I don't know. Because it is short, yep. they've actually padded this out. And I've already spoiled it for you by telling you what happened in it. But because it's Barbara Gordon being shot in the spine, that's that's a it's not the main point of the story, but it's a big point of the story. But because it's in the comics universe, we know who Barbara Gordon is. Yeah. So we don't need to spend time telling who that. With this movie, because it's self-contained in a way, they've tacked on an extra 15, 20 minutes at the start, establishing Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl yep. and giving her a history with Batman in it. And to me, it's superfluous. I know who Barbara Gordon is. I don't need this. And it was just, this is shit. What am I watching? It's like when I watched Voltron the other day on Netflix. I watched the first episode and the first half of it when they were just trying to establish characters and there were no lines. I didn't care. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? I went around the house. I was cleaning. I was doing other things while it was playing in the background. And I was exactly the same with this Batgirl establishing bit. It's like, I don't care. And then once, as soon as it caught up and they hit the beats of the comic... It's like, oh, that's that bit, that's that bit, that's that bit. I was in. I was in the movie by that point. So for any non-fans out there, yes, it builds the you know a relationship with you with Barbara. So when things happen, it's like, that's tragic to you watching it. And also, that's why Batman will be upset about it. Yeah. But it just, I don't know, I would, I would rather it 25 minutes shorter and just be an adaptation of the comic. Okay. But I guess they have to sell it. I yeah. don't know, it would have been cheaper. Yeah, could exactly. have done Animation's not cheap. Yeah, so I know there's a lot of hoop brouhaha out there from a lot of people. Like, a lot of people don't like it. Okay. I just don't care. I've heard a lot of really good reviews about Mark Hamill's Joker. No, it's all, he's always yeah. good as the Joker, so yeah. And who's Batman? Is it Kevin Conroy? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the, okay. the classic guys from the original Batman animated series are back to do it. Yeah, I just read the comic. It's quicker <laughs> and better. Okay. That, that, that's my recommendation. Like, it's fine for what it is. There are some really good Warner Brothers animated movies out there, but they just haven't really hit it out of the park. Not since Dark Knight Returns. They really nailed that one. But everything yep. else is a bit, eh, whatever. Flashpoint was all right. Okay. Yeah. That's me. That's my right. Well, I've yeah. only had one movie this month. Just the one. Just the one. And that was re-watching the original Karate Kid movie. <gasps> Daniel Sun. Yes. So my wife and I were flicking through some music videos the other day and the Peter Cetera song from Karate Kid 2 was Nothing's going to stop us now. No, no not that, that one. Just the Starship, I know. Glory of Love. Uh-huh. Anyway, so the that glory was... Glory of Love. Yeah. yeah. And she was like... Oh, the Kaki Kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah, different movie, I think. Ah. Edward Penis Hands. No, <laughs> around the same time. But no, she was saying that she really wanted to go back and watch Karate Kid 2 after seeing this Peter Cetera video. And I was saying to her that... You can't just jump in and watch the second one. You'd now, have Pierce to watch... Terror was Chicago? Yes, he was. He was in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Not the city. The band. The band. 
But yeah, I said to her that you couldn't just go back and watch the second of a trilogy. If we were going to do it, we had to go back and do the whole thing and watch from the beginning. So we went back to the 1984 classic that is The Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, it's still quite a, a good movie. You look at it a bit differently as yeah, a parent. He is. Because <laughs> when I saw it in 84, I would have been, I think, 13 or 14, I think. I don't think I saw it at the cinema. I can remember I saw it at the end of year nine, which for me would have been 1986. In that sort of period when you're at the end of year and the higher the year levels... Exactly. The higher year levels have already left and they bring the, the video in from the AV room and you end up watching movies for half the day at school. And we watched Back to the Future one day and then the next day we watched Karate Kid. So interesting times. But anyway, as an adult watching it, well, as, as a kid watching it, you kind of relate to him and you think, you know, the, the whole world's against him. Yeah, Good I want to be stand like up a 16-year-old, 27-year-old, that's right. Yeah. But as an adult going back, you watch it and you think, well, Daniel's not really a nice guy. No. He's, he's an ungrateful prick. I know. He's like a you know, selfish little bastard that turns up in a new town and thinks everyone should love him. And he's a turd. He treats everyone bad. He's just rude to everyone because yep. he's a grumpy shit. Yeah, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be back in New Jersey where you know, he was living before they moved out there. But, yeah, I don't know. But he didn't endear himself. It's not like he tried to make friends and they all treated him like shit. He was just a chit. Yeah. And he starts a lot of trouble. They wonder yeah. why he gets beaten up. But interesting in that scene on the beach, I don't know how regularly or how oh, recently you've seen it. But he's trying to have a talk with Elizabeth Shue, and she's just, just broken up shoe? with. <laughs> yes, just a shoe. <laughs> she's recently broken up with Johnny, who's like the the bad guy of the movie. Of course, with a name like Johnny. Yeah, and there's a stage where he sort of has a go at Johnny, like tries to throw a punch or something, and Johnny uses his karate and beats him up. But while they're doing this. The rest of Johnny's mates are all like holding Elizabeth's shoe and like physically restraining her, so she, shoe. Yes. so she can't run away from them beating up this guy that's just come to talk to her, which I thought was a bit weird. But yeah, interesting scenes in it. Like again, I don't know how well you know the movie. I can remember seeing it a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So basically, he gets beaten up. The Japanese guy that lives in his building teaches him how to do karate by strangely teaching him how to paint fences and wax cars and stuff and it's all the motions of the karate he then enters a karate tournament so he can get his revenge on the Cobra Kai who are the the kids that beat him up that train in a local dojo and it ends up being the All Valley Karate Tournament and it's meant to be I think it's the, it's like contact karate or non-contact karate where you're not allowed to hit above the shoulder. and It's very you know, straight-laced mm. tournament karate. It's not full-on like UFC-type fighting. But in, in a couple of the matches, there's one kid that his sensei tells him to go out there and kick Daniel intentionally in the knee to put him out, and he gets disqualified. But then in the main fight... Kicks him in the face. He kicks... Yeah, Daniel kicks Johnny in the face, and it's like... That's a win. Surely that should be a disqualification. Not Daniel winning the match, but there's another move even before that, that Johnny actually hits Daniel, and it's pretty much a move that you would think would disqualify Johnny, and it's it just does not make any sense. It's, yeah, it's strange that they've just done this whole turnabout of the rules of karate tournaments just so he can be the good guy and do his stupid crane kick, which I'm sure isn't a real karate move. 
Like, I don't know karate, but the way he does it in the movie, he's standing there on one foot with his arms in the air posing. It feels like forever. It's probably not. But if you did that in a real fight, I'm sure someone would just, just smack you before you had a chance to kick them in the head. But anyway. But yeah, the whole idea that he does this illegal hit, wins the day, wins the tournament. But and really, yeah. So the asshole becomes a bully, beats up on guys, and people like him afterwards. Great themes. Great themes, guys. Yeah. But Pat Morita is awesome, by the way. Hey, actually, even... Um, what's Daniel's character? What's his name? Ralph Macchio. Yeah. Even Ralph Macchio is a really good actor in it. He plays that sort of, even though he's like 27 when he did it, but he, he plays that teenager that doesn't want to be there and carries on. And, you know, he, he plays it quite well. And Elizabeth Shue is really good as well. Like, I don't think she'd done a lot of movies before this. I, and I think after this, she went on to be like the main role in A Night on the Town, which is oh, yeah. still one of my favorite movies. And she's just likable. But yeah. He's not. And he's not. No, he's just an ass. She's quite likeable and comes from a rich family he's a bit of a deadbeat and you can kind of see why her parents don't want him hanging around with her mm. but yes interesting well, that's me. but it's, it's funny because you talk about that whole as a parent it's different now I remember watching um, Super 8 and that's a sort of play with that element of like the kids having an adventure yeah and it's it's like that whole if they only talk to their parents it was fine and you go watch E.T. Same deal. As a parent, you watch it so differently now going, just talk to your dad. Talk to your mum. It's fine. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get into any hijinks. And Stranger Things has a lot of that in it, yep. where it's the kids' adventure. And it's kids on bikes. There's something about kids on bikes. You know, it's sort of like that freedom of summer holidays. And it's all a very American thing. I never had that. Yeah. I never had a bike. I lived on a main road. My mum was very cautious of me not dying so I wasn't allowed to do anything so getting five for five dollars at a video library and eating a lot of junk food <laughs> that's what I did that was my holidays but just that going off on a bike and just riding out for the day yep. and just finding What's dead it? bodies or finding aliens or whatever all these adventures could happen and that was the appeal and that's the stranger things is that it taps into that feeling that you get and it's written better it's a modern mentality as opposed yep. to just you've got to get the parents out of the picture for some reason or why are they not telling the parents kind of thing. Back then it was just like, don't trust parents, yeah, have it, adventure. It's funny though, because you, you just wouldn't get that sort of stuff now because that whole, everyone has a mobile phone, so as soon as anything happens, you would just ring for help or whatever. But, and, and I think that's why Stranger Things is set in 1983. Yeah. One, it's it's got a vibe that it's going for. It's Goonies, it's E.T. But also, yes, because you can't tell that story no, you anymore. Can't. And it's interesting, but I think there is a time and place for that sort of 80s innocence. Well, I mean, I've got a movie I downloaded. I love, we love wrestling, yep. and we love Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he's made some really shit films. Like, he makes really cheap shit films. Straight to video type films yeah and there was one I forget what it's called but it was essentially the karate kid but with boxing yeah. and it was about this preppy you know um, private school kid whose dad did the dirty on them or something and left and the mum's there and they've had to move and he's gone to a public school so he's turned up he's wearing a blazer and all that sort of shit and he's getting picked on now we're talking they're bit younger so we're talking 12, 13 yeah. not 15, 16 played by a 27 year old <laughs> so it, it's a different element already they're not having. He's not having mature teen problems. He's having twelve-year-old problems. Yeah, which you get with a Karate Kid remake with Jada, not Jaden, whatever. Jaden. What the plan is Smith. to go through all of the original trilogy and the next Karate Kid and then the reboot. Yeah. So we'll see so, how far. But he's get. younger in that again. So you don't have any of the romance side of it. Really, you don't have the. It's just bullies and fighting. You don't. So 
you've got this 12 year old who's getting beat up and Stone Cold for Steve Austin who's got a goatee but no moustache it's very disconcerting I don't like that look I don't trust people like that it's just weird Rob from the Curiosity Show yeah and yeah and he's the janitor at the school and he ends up helping him out with boxing and they and, and the kid who's bullying him turns out to be in a boxing like team you know <laughs> so they have a boxing tournament at the end and it's like this is the it's the best plot for so many movies it's an awesome plot. I will watch this plot if you do it again and again and again because it's great. I love a tournament at the end. Is it like No Retreat, No Surrender? Well, any of those, as long as there's a tournament, you know. <laughs> and at the end, and they come back through adversity and you've got a montage and a really inspirational song. That's all you need. But the Karate Kid's got that. It's got the best exactly. by Joey Esposito. It's awesome. The plot's there. So this Stone Cold Steve Austin movie, you're thinking, it's boxing, it's Stone Cold, it's the Karate Kid plot, this is going to be great. No, it's shit, because it's just boring, is what it was. And again, the antagonist, the main guy, you didn't care. And the stakes were too low, because we're talking 12-year-olds. Yeah. So they sort of, it didn't matter. Where it just doesn't matter. Exactly. Where if you're 16, maybe, like, and especially when you see it as a 14-year-old, yeah. sort of looking at it going, oh, yeah. It's so true. In two years' time, I'm going to be dealing with that shit. And it's so important. Where a 12-year-old, as a 30-year-old watching it, it, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. Just The stakes just don't work. It's just... Yeah. You know, I don't know. The angst isn't there. It just didn't feel whatever. I don't know. I don't know. When, back in 84 or 86, more probably more likely when I saw this, I would have been one of those kids that had seen the Rocky movies. And when you're a kid and you see the Rocky movies, or when you're male and you see Rocky movies, it's one of those things, you watch the training montage and you just want to go and do push-ups and yep. you know, start shadow boxing. And I'm sure in 86, like every kid in my school was standing on poles around the school yeah, and doing, doing the crane movement and doing all that sort of stuff. And I'm yeah. sure it probably did wonders for kids enrolling in karate We role-played, my cousins and I, we, they had the headbands, I remember that. And we'd always get injured and we'd do the clap, rub your hands thing to heal it, <laughs> come back to get, get the thing. And so like, one of us had to play the heel. And it was like, yeah, because you, you didn't do it. I mean, Rocky, you did it as well, but it was like Rocky for kids. It's like, this is my exactly. version of, oh, I can be Daniel. I'm not Rocky. I can be Daniel. You know, so yeah. like, I mean, if it was on telly now, I'd still get sucked into watching Oh, it. for sure. Yeah, I, I dig it. it. One, nostalgia, and I think it still holds up as a movie to show. I think it does. Yeah. But yeah, the plan is, as I said, we're going to watch the whole trilogy. So maybe next month I'll come back and I'll talk about Karate Kid 2. So. I'm going to break those sheets of ice. And again, it's still a good movie, though, from what I remember Karate Kid 2. And he does that drum movement at the end but I, I can remember Karate Kid 3 was where it kind of went off the rails. <coughs> he's an antagonist again isn't he I, from so. I don't know if yeah. I've seen bits of 3 and I think he's an arrogant prick the only thing one. I remember from 3 is him abseiling down the side of a cliff to save some bonsai tree or something like that so I yeah, obviously I haven't seen that, that enough yeah to remember it whereas the first one I remember a lot of yeah the I watched that a lot because I, I probably saw it on video I never saw the pictures but I do remember going and seeing 2 at the cinemas that was a big deal when that was coming yeah I think I probably did too but interesting though looking at the IMDB afterwards that Karate Kid came out in 1984 and just the quality of films that came out in 1984 I, I think one of our mini episodes soon might have to be 1984 versus 1986 to work out what is the best movie year of the 80s okay. but 84 you've got Ghostbusters was probably the big film of 84 for and, you well for a lot of people yeah but yeah, I think it was Last Starfighter Night of the Comet 
I watched the last Starfighter again the other week. It was well, on telly. There you go. But and yeah, telly again. My wife's going, "How do you know this?" <laughs> it's like I watched it a lot. Yes, because it was one of those videos that came out. You got bought three blank videos, and you got given a real tape. A real tape of the last mm. Starfighter. So mm. it was just one of those movies that before you bought X rentals or anything. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So I, I think that's going to be a, a topic on, a, on an upcoming show. Right, let's I. do it. All right. Is it better than nineteen thirty nine? Probably. Well, I don't know. Really? Like, better than Wizard of Oz? Better than Going with the Wind? Really? Everything's better than Wizard of Oz, isn't no. it? No. Well, I don't think there's any munchkins hung from trees in the uh, Karate Kid movie, but and you that's never what know. That's lacking. So, um, what, I, what I really want to know, though, is obviously I was 13, 14 in 1984. I was a little bit older in 1986, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple of years later. <laughs> so... I was in my prime movie watching in that mm. stage. So probably that, that couple of years in the 80s, you had you know, you know had all the great movies. Highlander, Predator, Die Hard, I think, was probably around that same time. I was probably at that right age at the right time. So I wonder, say, if someone was 14, 15 in 1996, whether they look back at 1996 movies with the same fondness that we do now. And I wonder that... My son was born in 2010. When we get to 2024, will he then see all those movies then and be in that perfect well, storm up for it? to you, isn't it, to educate your child. Yeah, I think that's probably what I need to do. But yes, I think definitely probably a couple of months down the track, we will watch a bunch of movies from the 80s and we will work out what was the best movie year of the 80s. Okay. Challenge uh, accepted. Yeah, and maybe we can, um, I don't know, we'll probably have to come up with some sort of scoring scheme to work out how to do it rather than just personal preference. Mm -hmm. Obviously, going off box office sales would not work because that's just too obvious. Yes. So, yes, we'll have to come up with some massive attack way of scoring movies to see whether they were good or not. Sounds like a plan. That's something to look forward to. But anyway, I think that's probably a good place for us to wrap up tonight. It's a great place to wrap up. Yes. Well, again, if you have any feedback for us, you can jump on our Facebook page. We are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast we are the mapodcast.podbean.com if you're looking for the website and yeah just drop us a line tell us what you think tell us what your favorite 80s movies are and until then we will see you next month all righty thank you mitch Good night. hey you don't watch that watch this this is the heavy heavy monster sound the nuttiest sound around so if you've come in off the street and you're beginning to feel the heat, well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockinest, rock-steady beat of madness. One step beyond!
collecting balls, collecting balls. 